Culligan Water not only sells water softeners, including the world's best, but also rents them, something big box plumbers and online sellers don't do. With renting, you never pay for repairs or extended warranties, and there's no big upfront purchase cost. Culligan handles everything. And by renting, if your water needs change, Culligan can handle that too. After all, we're the world's largest dealer network. Click or call today. Dealer participation may vary. Contaminants may not be in your water. The following contest is scheduled for one fall. Please welcome Mr. Fritz. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his Ladies and gentlemen, celebrating five years as a podcaster, introducing Nate the Great! Wrestling Act Radio, where? <gasps> Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this uh, journey where we're going to be talking about the graceful days of one Huskus Harris and how he became the fiend, reminding us all to let him in. This is the Game Changer Podcast. I am indeed Nate the Epic Great, the champ that runs the camp of Wrestling Act Radio, joined here by the one, the only Prime Minister and one of the greatest Assets out of Canada itself, Mr. Fretz. Hi, welcome to the Firefly Fretz House. It's me, Mr. Fretz. Yay! We're going to have so much fun tonight, everybody. The secret word of the day is Wrestle Addict Radio. Yay! Yeah, it is me, it is me, it is Mr. F-R-E-T-Z, sipping on a nice uh, cider tonight, strawberry hibiscus. I'm actually going to sample this as I... Holy crap, that's good. Yes, it is me. Uh, Nate, how you doing, good brother? Honestly, it's been a crazy week of work, and it's only going to get crazier... But you know something? I'm surviving. I'm making people happy. Well, some people. There's obviously other people that you just can't make happy no matter what. Even in this day and age, which is a shock to me, you know? (laughs) Yeah, that's why I'm still single. I mean... (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I I, I honestly wasn't really going in that direction. I was going like customers. You can't really please everybody, but what the hell. Yep. But they're always right, you know. I mean, I, I, I work in customer service too, so I completely relate to you. <laughs> but for those of you that have not 
picked up on it. We're going to be talking about the one, the only, Bray Wyatt. We're going to be doing a retrospective on him, and during the end of the show, we may even go into some AEW all-out predictions, since it is this weekend. So, Oh, yeah! So, why the hell not? Uh, let's actually first talk about this as far as Bray Wyatt goes, or as he's better known as Wyndham Lawrence Rotunda, the grandson of Blackjack Mulligan, as well as the son of Mike Rotunda. A lot of people might know him better as IRS, reminding you to keep up with your taxes. I gotta ask this question, though. How difficult must have been for Bray Wyatt early on in his career to make a kind of impact? Because he's you're talking about a guy who is a third-generation superstar, well, wrestler, I should say. It's one of those situations where you have, you know, of course, the Blackjacks, who were just one of the roughest, toughest teams back in the day. And then you have IRS, who is probably, arguably, one of the most entertaining heels ever. So for Bray Wyatt, he's got a lot of expectations to live up to. Yeah, he does. And that's a syndrome that we see with a lot of uh, second, third, heck, I think we're getting into fourth generation territory now with... uh, I think it's someone who's related to The Rock who just got signed by WWE, Simone. Yeah, and and everyone would kind of expect that if you're going to be the son of, let's just say, Ted DiBiase, you're going to be the Million Dollar Man. If you're going to be the son of IRS, you're either going to be in Varsity Club, which, seriously, look up some of Mike Rotunda's stuff from the NWA from Varsity Club back in the day. Oh my gosh. And uh, I figured, okay, why didn't we get one of the rotundas, either Bo Dallas or Bray, tagging with Ted DiBiase Jr. when he was still a wrestler? It, it, it prints money itself. It really does. It is kind of interesting. And it's actually funny. You mentioned the one and only Bo Dallas. Early on in his days with FCW, he actually became a tag team champion in Florida Championship Wrestling in which they would only have it for a little about, actually, it looks like here about maybe three, four months, it looks like, before Bray Wyatt would be called up to the main roster. Well, called up is a very loose term, especially when I talk about this. On June 2nd in 2010, where he would be joining NXT. Not the NXT we know and love right now. No, this is the NXT of old, where we see competitions and weird kind of challenges, and pros basically taking on their their rookies and such like that. He was in the second season with his pro being one Masta Cody Rhodes. This is kind of an interesting pairing because I think this was also during the time where Cody Rhodes was doing the whole dashing deal. So it was kind of an interesting pairing with having Bray Wyatt, known as Husky Harris at the time, and Cody Rhodes. Yeah, it's uh, definitely an interesting parallel given, yeah, I, yeah it, it, this wasn't undashing Cody, I think this was a little bit later, but I, I don't remember this season of NXT that well, but I do think that Cody was trying to, I don't know, make make him dashing or make him, you know, in shape, I'm not entirely sure, but of course he would... Uh, attack Matt, Matt, I'm reading here just here, he attacked Matt Stryker uh, who was announcing not being a teacher at that point in time, unfortunately, but he 
I think lasted until about sixth place until he got uh, got the boot when <clears throat> sorry now, I'm gonna say here he has a pinfall victory over Senchi aka Caval you know you know Caval means flute seriously look it up it's flute <laughs> this is the era of McGillic oh gosh yeah he was the one that won <laughs> no way, Caval! Caval won it. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he 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 came runner up and had the most memorable you know deal of all time. Actually, I would say second most memorable. First most memorable moment in that season of NXT was Husky Harris, where he, where he pull, where he pulls the line, passing by uh, Michelle McCool, who was one of the co trainers or co pros, I should say, for Caval. Uh, it was her and Layla. And it's funny because Husky Harris just walked past her, then walked back, and then he just walks past again. He's like, like, oh gosh, I'm trying to remember how, how do you say it. He's like, you believe in love at first sight, or do I need to walk again? <laughs> <laughs> and, and Michelle's like, that. And Michelle's like again. To which I'm like, hmm, I wonder if he used that on JoJo when the first time they met. Hello, no, I. <laughs> I, I got a better one. This is from future Wyatt family stablemate Eli Cottonwood. And if you're asking me who that is, uh, I can't tell you because he was uh, very short-lived in this business. And they had a promo class. Your topic is mustaches. See this one here? Uh, yeah, mustaches are something. I don't have one. He did! I remember uh, that guy. Oh gosh, Big Dude could have been the next better version of Mason, Ray Kali, but the nope. bigger mate, the next Mason Ryan. Oh, oh my gosh, Mason Ryan had an okay run. Let's be fair. Uh, that's why. That's why I said okay. I didn't say he had the best run. He was he was the guy who turned into Batista two point when he joined the new Nexus. Which trust me, we're going to be talking about that, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, then he just. Kind of fell at the face of the earth. Yeah, that's about his career. Poor dude. <laughs> yeah, that's just, he didn't last long for, for the business, so he's back in being Welsh. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. So, yeah, eventually he would get eliminated from NXT and join up with the Nexus, where so many people were getting, you know, just not really quite eliminated, just they were. Falling off like flies. Like I know that they had uh, Darren Young who got booted out for a reason. Skip Sheffield. He actually had a broken leg, so he was unable to do it. So they had to bring up some new people. They brought in Michael McGillicuddy and Husky Harris. What kind of impact did they have in Nexus? Not too much. Oh, there was that one time where Husky Harris got flogged when he was being initiated into the new Nexus. That was uncomfortable. Uh, to say the least, and now that I just talked, oh wait, never mind, I was going to say, now that I'm like, oh hey, look, they did do New Money, Inc., but oh wait, no, McGillicuddy's the son of Mr. Perfect, uh, yeah, I'm just like you, man, I'm, I'm tired from work and my brain is fried, <laughs> yeah, they, they debuted at Hell in the Cell 2010, I want to say, yep, it was 2010, year, year before the summer of punk, oh man, I, I can go on about that summer in my personal life, but I won't. It was actually okay. Uh, yeah, they, they was in a match between Cena and Wade Barrett, the Barrett 
Borage. I, I, I can't do that. Uh, I'm sorry, Jermaine. Uh, I'll stop doing the accents now. Yeah, so you had a little bit of a, a little bit of new members of the Nexus because you know well, Michael Tarver as well. He left the Fed, I think that, or he oh, that's was right. injured, or that he was injured. He, he could have been something else, but okay, Cyborg. But when um, uh, what was that promotion called? Chikara. When Chikara was still a thing, and they were allegedly going to do something over Mania weekend, where one of the King of Trios teams was Nexus, and it was like Darren Young, and I forget, probably Michael Tarver and somebody else. What could have been? Yeah, no, no, no kidding. Um, so yeah, they he kind of just like floated here and there, but Husky really didn't do too much until, like I said, the whole flogging deal, and then uh, he got punted ahead by Randy Orton before WrestleMania. And that kind of wrote him off television. So now kind of looking into his... He makes a return to FCW. I see hockey wearing as Axel Mulligan. Oh, jeez. I, yes. I can only imagine what that was like. I, I've seen pictures of it. I think they were just trying to do a... Hey, let's combine the, the two legends' names. Like, well, McGillicuddy for... Uh, Joe Henning, aka Curtis Axel, I think was his mother's mate was Kurt Henning's wife's maiden name, which is why they came up with the McGillicuddy thing. And then Curtis and Axel, perfect and Axel, they they did this same thing with with Bray, as you know, as that as that Mulligan thing, and it it didn't last long. He just wore a mask and he. Did a, I think he did like a stunner or something and just did stuff. Uh, he didn't really come into his own until he started debuting the Bray Wyatt character in, in NXT. Then it turned up. Because, as I said, he had Eli Cottonwood for, for a short spell before he left, and I think it was Rowan that replaced him. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, it, yeah and then it kind of does go into the whole deal where Bray Wyatt... Finds his coming. Husky Harris turns into the master that is indeed Bray Wyatt. <laughs> and comes out with a nice colorful shirt, nice little you know, hat. Uh, what's kind of interesting is that he kind of more was the mouthpiece, and then they kind of were just saying, you know, it might be kind of cool to figure out, you know, putting you in a team. And you mentioned, of course, Luke Harper, Eric Rowan. So. What ends up happening? Well, Harper and Rowan, they end up being a team, basically crushing anybody that was in their path. And who do they defeat for their first tag team titles? That being the team of Adrian Neville and Oliver Gray. Wait, uh, I think I know who Oliver Gray... That would be Corey Graves, is it? Gosh, I swear if that is. Well, that, is, uh, that is definitely not a Corey Graves. <laughs> no, it's not? Okay, because I, I know that he teamed with Corey Graves, and he went by something else. Uh, no, Sterling Sterling James Keenan, that's what he went by before. I, I'm trying to jump through his, through his page here, because I did take a few notes here, but I only started in his WWE run. But I do know that he was a mouthpiece for a good chunk of NXT, because he was working through some nagging injuries. Like, right. I think he even... 
had a cast or he came out in the rocking chair because he was hurt and he just cut all these promos like his his first one of his first ones was talking about this you know something to do with like a gator farm or something to do with I just thought of the show Swamp People. If if you've ever seen that, I, I love that show. Oh. I miss it. Uh, is the kind of vibe I got of, got out of it because Wyatt did actually grow up in Florida, possibly near the Everglades. So he knew what he was talking about. He had this Louisiana drawl, and he was just so so mysterious. Everything about him is shrouded in mystery. And as we go on through his career. You can see that these nuances and, for example, I'm jumping way ahead, but his characters in the Funhouse are callbacks to things that we're going to be talking about. And uh, and we're, I'm just going to get the elephant in the room here. This was heavily inspired by Waylon Mercy, a very short-lived gimmick in the WWE in 1995. Portrayed, of course, by Dan Spivey, one half of the Skyscrapers tag team from the NWA. But by 95, Spivey was hurt and all that. But he wore these Hawaiian shirts. He talked in this mysterious, dark cadence that is also a reference to Max Cady in, um, oh, bloody hell, what's that movie? Cape Fear. Oh, interesting. It's... It's it's all wrapped up. It's like and that, that's for example. That's why Mercy the Buzzard is a thing, and Mercy the Buzzard wears the Hawaiian shirt. That's paying an homage to Waylon Mercy, the inspiration itself for Bray. Wow, nice. So they have a good run in NXT, so much so that they called up to the main roster. I do remember seeing these vignettes that they created where they're talking about the Wyatt family and I, oh gosh, these were just damn good vignettes where you had Eric Rowan, he just pops up, doesn't say a word, he just kind of has the sheep mask on, just kind of looking around and the cameraman's basically just looking at that and Luke Harper appears and he's just saying, don't trail away. It's like basically just saying don't stray far from the path. It's just one of those things like, oh my god, this this is actually kind of crazy. Then we see Bray Wyatt, and it's like, okay, this is actually kind of freaky. This is new. This is interesting. This is kind of nice. So we see them debut in July 8th of 2012, ladies and gentlemen, which we see. No, that's not 2012. 2013? Yeah, there we go. <coughs> Excuse me. In which the Wyatt family debuts, and who would they first assault? The Big Red Monster, Kane. Because reasons. So, they beat down Kane, they beat down a couple of other jobbers here and there, and then they get challenged to a Ring of Fire match by Kane for SummerSlam. Could they have just done an Inferno match? Yeah, but then they would have to have this thing called fun in their deal. And this is also during the time where Bray Wyatt started doing his catchphrase of Follow the Buzzards. Which is always eerie to hear. But fast forward to SummerSlam, the Ring of Fire match. Gosh, this is Bray Wyatt's first matchup. It's on a marquee pay-per-view. Was it any good? No. 
mainly because the Ring of Fire deal was just kind of weird. I did like that they had, you know, when big bumps happened, you had the fire poofing up. It's like, okay, that's cool. But they ended it by having Harper and Rowan put a huge, uh, what is it, like a fireman's blanket, there we go, on to the fire. They get in, they interfere, Bray Wyatt hits his sister Abigail for the one, two, three, and it's one of those things where it's like, well, uh, he gets a win over Kane, yay, sort of, maybe? Eh. So, you know, but things definitely do get better from here, even though he goes on to take on Kofi Kingston in a match at Battleground for reasons, but that matchup got blown away by another matchup that was just absolutely awesome. Holy shit. You know what I'm talking about? Roach Brothers versus Shield. Oh, yes. Hard, hard to top that. Hard to top that. Was that like the one where like, if the Rhodes Brothers lost, they would leave or something? Like their jobs are on the line? Uh, sort of. Uh, oh, wait. Their father, Dusty, was the GM of NXT at the time. So if they were lost, he would have been fired from WWE. But since they won, they got their jobs back. Yay! But... Yeah, I mean, to kind of start, it didn't seem like they knew what to do with Bray Wyatt at first. And he's just kind of, you know, talking about following the buzzards, talking about these kind of crazy deals. It's like, okay, this is kind of nice. But one feud with one little goat man by the name of Daniel Bryan seemed to churn the tide of the Wyatt family. Yeah, and uh, when, when you said that you had a Ring of Fire match... We totally missed the obvious setup for. Gosh darn it! I was gonna get. I was gonna do a really good joke here. Stupid ads. <laughs> I, I could sing that. I could sing that entire song right now because I fucking love. Love Johnny Cash. Anyways, yeah. The, the ring, once I saw the Ring of Fire match, I'm just like, okay. They have to have Johnny Cash do do something. Play the play at least the damn song. But yeah, you had this feud with Daniel Bryan, and he would not be the first person to quasi join the Wyatt family. As I uh, as I went through my research and completely forgot about, despite the fact that this other one happened like two years ago. Yet Bryan and him just had this weird unspoken chemistry you know brian was just he was the leader of the yes movement he was the most popular thing in the company and if there's one thing that bray wyatt did that he was always good at even as bray wyatt and especially now as the fiend is that he could take his opponent's weaknesses and turn them against them in any sort of fashion and it's just so captivating to see because, as, as I'm always saying here, Bray Wyatt is an attraction. He is someone who, even still to this day, as Mr. Rogers and the Fiend, the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, he is still shrouded in such captivating mini- mystery. I almost said ministry. That's a, <laughs> a whole, whole different thing here. And. He recruited him, and I think even for a brief time, you know, Brian was wearing like a it looked like a it looked like my dad's farmer's overalls. 
Yeah, he kind of almost had like this little jumpsuit on. So he kind of looked officially like a member of the family. Uh, now, unfortunately, this did nothing but kind of hurt the Wyatt family a bit because they got into this feud with the Usos in which they were just losing constantly. And it's like, oh, no, that's 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 kind of rough. Uh then they were going to have a cage match with the Usos taking on Bray Wyatt and Daniel Bryan. Surely they'll get the victory here, right? No. Just no. Uh, but it does cause for a really crazy reaction from the crowd. Where almost every single time the Wyatt family would lose, Bray Wyatt would just attack Daniel Bryan, take him down, just decimate him. And then this time around, it looks like we're going to get the same deal. He has him set up for the sister Abigail. Brian pushes Bray Wyatt away, and he just shakes his head, no. To which Bray Wyatt is kind of in shock, but he's also like, I want you to hit me, hit me, and he did. Hits him with the running knee, takes off the overalls, or spender, whatever we want to call it, and we got the whole crowd just going, yes, yes, yes. There could have been a little bit of a bigger payoff for that, but same time, it felt like a cool, a cool moment. But that led on to Bray Wyatt's first matchup, where he was definitely turning into a considerable threat, was against Daniel Bryan at the year's Royal Rumble. Oh my gosh, was that matchup amazing. People were even saying it was going to be a match of the year candidate, and to be honest, hard to disagree with that. That was just absolutely phenomenal. The counter from the suicide dive by Daniel Bryan were Bray Wyatt catches him, hits him with his sister Abigail, then hits him with his sister Abigail again in the ring. One, two, three. Wyatt gets a huge victory over Daniel Bryan. And this would slowly seep into what his next feud would be, because later on in the night, would end up costing John Cena the WWE World Heavyweight Championship match against Randy Orton. Now, before we get too deep into this, Mr. Fretz. Was this matchup with Wyatt and Brian the ultimate payoff for Mr. For Mr. Bray Wyatt? You, you know, to, to be honest with you, I can't really remember. Wh- which pay-per-view was this again? Was Royal, their match at? It was, it was uh, Royal Rumble 2014. Main reason why I know this is because that was the night that we would see CM Punk in a wrestling ring for the last time. Yes, and uh, yeah, and just before this, I remember that the Wyatt family began feuding with Punk and Brian, uh, which had a match between, uh, I think it was Punk and Brian against Harper and Rowan at Survivor Series, mm-hmm. and that was, you know, Punk and Brian, of course, won that damn good match, and yeah, this was when they started to recruit them, and yeah, he broke he broke free of this group, and wasn't this the same Royal Rumble that everyone wanted Brian in, and then when Rey Mysterio drew number 30, yes, the whole crowd went up and said, okay. Yeah, yeah I think their, their payoff was more Elimination Chamber, not Rumble, right? You know what? I actually just looked into the uh, notes a bit. I did actually forget about this, because I was actually there for this matchup at uh, Elimination Chamber, where we saw... A huge matchup, a six-man tag match that definitely just shook the foundation of WWE. That, of course, being the Wyatt family versus the Shield. Oh, 
my god, was this matchup just really, really good. I loved the chemistry that these teams had. I loved the storytelling in the ring. They were having a deal where the Shields seemingly were going to be breaking off. Uh, this is kind of where we got to see a little bit of uh, Roman slowly starting to become a main event guy. Because this was the guy who lasted, you know, 28 other people and came so close to winning the Royal Rumble only to lose to Blutista. You know, Blutista, Rutista, and Bytista. Everybody remembers that year. That was a great Royal Rumble year winner. Um, but yeah, in the end, the White family would pick up the victory after a huge hard-fought matchup. They would try to create magic again on Raw. It still worked. It was still a good time. Um, but yeah, but yeah I, did, I did actually forget about this. This was where we see you know, two of the top teams in the, com- in the company during that time just literally laid all on the line, and they just, it was, it was amazing. It was one of the best payoffs that we could have had. And, you know, Bray Wyatt, he's going into WrestleMania season 2-0. and What could be possibly heading up for WrestleMania? Well, he's already cost this guy one championship matchup. Why not do it for a second time? Enters the chamber, costs Cena the matchup, and we get the Heat of Worlds versus do-do-do-do. This should end well. Uh, we do, but I just have to, I just want to comment that before for the Shield and the Wyatts, when the Wyatts debuted, which yes, yeah, it was it was after the Shield was formed. Everyone's like, "There's another three person group. Let's just let's put them in the ring against each other." And that was the fantasy match, and we got to see it right away, which I thought was great. And the Cena thing, well, we're going to come back to that a little later because this match was the catalyst for The Fiend. And, of course, that is referenced in the Firefly Funhouse match, which we are probably going to get into because that was... Wow. And Bray Wyatt, the master of the mind games, the master of manipulation, was trying to use Mosina's strengths against him, the popularity with the kids, and the creepy... Uh, creepy singing, like, jeez. <laughs> Outrageous stuff, man. It, it is one of those things where it was just absolutely... Some people might call it cringeworthy, but in all honesty, the way that they built that up, just having one kid singing, you know, he's got the whole world in his... It just, it worked. And seeing, you know, Bray Wyatt, he's like the shepherd leading these sheep around the ring... And then as soon as the lights come on, all these kids are wearing the sheep mask. And oh, geez, that was just one of the most surreal moments. But it was one of those moments where I was just like, this is awesome. This is like what wrestling can be. It's ridiculous, but it's also one of those things that makes you just speechless. Because nobody really thought that we were going to see, you know, little EB kids led by basically... WWE's version of Charles Manson. I mean, let's face it, at this point, <laughs> he was getting close to that point. Um, literally trying to intimidate John Cena, which ultimately would work. You know, God, he wants to talk about that crap. Um, yeah, so WrestleMania match against Cena? Yeah, we're going to come back to that one. 
But then we had the rematch between Bray Wyatt and Cena in a cage. Ooh, this will be great. He's got the whole world in... What the hell is that kid doing? And why does he sound like he's gargling water? Oh, he's supposed to be a demon child. Oh, that is so stupid. I mean, the kid was one of the... <laughs> was one of the kids of uh, one of the staff members. I'm trying to remember who he was, who... Whose kid he was. Do you remember offhand who he was? Was it Nicholas? No, I don't think it was Nicholas. It was it was it was a kid of one wrestler. I forgot who it was. But that's how Bray Wyatt defeats John Cena. Then we have a last man standing match between Cena and Wyatt where Cena wins because Cena must win lols. Ha. Huh. Uh yeah. Alright. So after that, I mean we do see Wyatt kind of doing some uh, interesting feuds. I mean, we had him battling against Chris Jericho. Oh, you got a question? You got a comment? I we I was hoping we would get to Chris Jericho because, well, have you been an avid or sometimes listener of Talk Is Jericho podcast? I watch it whenever I can, but yeah, around this was around the point that I was. Getting into all the WrestleMania pod, pod, no, I'm sorry, wrestling podcasts. So, Attitude Era, Austin, and and Jericho. So, Jericho actually had Bray Wyatt call into the show in in air quotes, oh, and it was just because uh, he used to have someone call in and do like wrestling predictions with him, or the the people would call. So it's just like. Hello, Chris. Hello, Bray. It was very, it was very Jerry Seinfeld, very Newman when they when they called. So all Bray was doing was basically plugging their match at um, Battleground and then at SummerSlam, and because because this was the this was the Chris Jericho. I'm gonna come back and put everyone over to her. Like he did with Neville, and he did with um, with with Bray Wyatt here, and it was so surreal that they brought in Bray to work this wrestling angle. When I think Chris was just talking about like rock and roll music or something, and it might have been like, "Oh yeah, I'm going to talk about the, review this heavy metal album," and all of a sudden he's working an angle into the podcast. He worked himself into a shoot, brother. <laughs> Yeah, so, as far as, you know, after this, he has, like, a good back and forth with Chris Jericho. He has a very interesting feud with Dean Ambrose, which started off with a whole Obi-Wan Kenobi or My Only Hope kind of deal. Which, <laughs> oh, boy. I think that Francis laugh kind of hit, hit it all right. So, I think less than we could say about the Dean Ambrose-Bray Wyatt feud, the better. And honestly, it can only be summed up in that one moment. Um... He really wouldn't do too much until we hit fast lane. We have some druids bring out a casket, and everybody's thinking, like, "Oh, it could, it could be the Undertaker." Casket opens. Sit up. It's Bray Wyatt. What? Bray Wyatt decides, "I want to be the new face of fear, and I want to take on the Undertaker at WrestleMania." Taker would accept. We get the matchup at WrestleMania 31, which, oh gosh, 
The most disappointing thing about this wasn't even the match itself. I think the disappointing part about it was that it was during the daytime when it could have been so much better seeing those entrances in the dark. WWE, you kind of failed us on that one. That that was disappointing. But to be honest, this was Undertaker's first match back since the streak ended, and Bray Wyatt was working with, I think, it was either a sprained ankle or maybe even a broken ankle, but in all honesty, they did the best that they could with what they had. And I'm not going to say it was like the best match upon the card. No, no, no. But it was definitely one of those matches where I think it definitely need, deserves more credit than it gets. Yeah, it, it was good for what it was. I mean, you had that gifable moment of uh, Bray being in the, you know, that reverse crab walk that he used to do leading up to the sister Abigail, which wasn't as cool as when he was in NXT, he would he would grab his opponent, do like a little, uh, like a little dance, like a little waltz and a little dance with them before smashing back into the Abigail, which now that I think of it, I would love to see the Fiend do, no, no. Maybe do Alexa Bliss, but anyways, yeah, he he did have a bit of an injury here, and he took a little bit of time off until he directed his attention to Ryback, and no, <laughs> uh, we wouldn't really see. And, and when it comes to Bray, he took some time off, and then out of nowhere during the one of the Money in the Bank matches in 2015, who once again. We're going to have a full circle moment coming up here like later this year with this. He targets the big dog, Roman Reigns. And we get a bit of an interesting feud there. Because eventually we would see things trickle in. Where we would see Luke Harper. He comes in. It's like, ooh, we're going to see the Wyatt family. But reports have said that Eric Rowan is injured. Oh, So... Dean Ambrose and Roman Reigns, they get a win at SummerSlam. But the night following, we get a big, big surprise. Out comes this massive gargantuan of a man with a black sheep mask on. Oh, my lord, who could this be? It would soon turn out to be Braun Strowman, who would go on to just wreck people with a tight, tight, like, triangle choke, bear hug kind of thing. Kind of happy that he got rid of that in favor of something else. But he was just a massive man who was also a rosebud. So it was kind of one of those things where it's like, okay, so the Charles Manson of WWE took a rosebud and turned him into a demented creature. Yeah, it sounds like WWE logic. I'm not going to lie. Do you know who else was a rosebud? I know SoCal Val was at one point. <laughs> Becky Lynch, oh, Elias, uh, uh, I, I can't think of the, the, the first two that came to mind were both Becky Lynch and Elias, and I know there's more. I, I, I would Google right now, but uh, no, I, I would lose my spot. <laughs> Adam Rose can get his own get his own, get his own retrospective because he deserves at least a little recognition. Him and the Bunny were great. <laughs> no, not Al, oh. not Allie, but the other Bunny. I mean, you mean Justin the... Gabriel? <laughs> no, the other bunny, Lucha Underground. No, the other, other, other bunny. Oh, that bunny. The... Was Sami Zayn? I don't know. No, it was just it was Justin Gabriel. <laughs> I swear. <laughs> either, either way, um, eventually we would see Rowan 
come into the fray. But we would see the Brothers of Destruction, they would return to take on the Wyatt family. And what we were originally going to see, or at least we thought, was going to be Wyatt and uh, Strowman, where it was like, this would be kind of interesting. But then at the last minute they decide, we're going to pull Strowman out and put Harper in. Reasons? Not sure. But in a moment where we could have seen maybe Wyatt get some more momentum, Brothers of Destruction win. And they would never get another victory like that again. Not even across the sea. For those of you that got that reference, take a shot. So, oh gosh, again, nothing really too crazy. Oh god, they got into a deal with the League of Nations. No thank you. ECW? Uh, uh, oh yeah, Team ECW. Get, it's just one of those things where his career kind of goes like, up and down, on and off, and then he doesn't really do too much until he gets a little bit of an inclusion with Randy Orton. Oh, boy. Yeah, this was weird, and I totally forgot about it until I... Until I got in here, and I'm like, okay, okay, no, here's the picture of them. Yeah, Randy Orton and Luke Harper were tag team champions when uh, when they were all drafted to SmackDown. And this was months before Randy would win the Rumble and beat him at, was it Mania 34? Three? Uh, yeah, 33. Okay, three. Yes, 34 was... The leaders of worlds, I think. Anyways, yeah, th- this was really, really strange. And then Wyatt confronts Randy Orton, and who he calls damaged, challenging to a match at Backsplash, which Orton accepted. Uh, we had Re- Wyatt attacked Orton before the match and winning by forfeit. And then, oh, he went back and uh, wrestled his old buddy Kane in a no holds barred match. And then Orton helped Kane get a win here, which, yeah, funny. Uh, yeah, your debut match guy, and you go after one of the biggest wrestlers in the company, I get it. Uh, you know, No Mercy happened, Luke Harper returned, and then there was a Survivor Series match here. Ooh. Team Raw versus Team SmackDown. Uh, Orton saved Wyatt from a spear from Roman Reigns, and this kind of led to them having a bit of a pairing and a match with American Alpha. This is where they would would get the number one contender shot for the tag team championship. But then when they go to TLC, they defeated the team, the Cinderella team of Heath Slater and Rhino. Which, no. yeah, it was kind of a it was a bit of a sad deal for a lot of us. But at the same time, it's like, oh, hey. Why gets a championship? Yay! It's a tag team championship. I don't care. That's cool. Um, yeah. So Bray Wyatt's Randy Orton and Luke Harper they would win the tag team titles, but unfortunately it was not deemed to last for two, 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 three, three weeks. Damn it! You gave us one good thing and then you gave us three weeks of this. I hate. I hate this. Um, yeah, they would lose the tag team titles to the aforementioned American Alpha, which, hey, American Alpha wins. Yay! They could have won it at a later time. That's just me. Um, 
Yeah. Then we would see Orton win the Royal Rumble matchup, and people are thinking like, "Well, is he?" Oh, I remember. I actually do remember that night at the Royal Rumble because the minute Cena defeated AJ Styles for the WWE title, all the people in my in the bar were just pissed. They're thinking like, "Crap, it's gonna be Cena versus Orton again. We're getting the same crap again. This is stupid. This sucks. This blah 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 blah. Just ugh, cannot believe this." But, interestingly enough, they kind of pulled the same thing on Cena, where it's like, hey, we're going to give you the t- title. You're only going to hold it for a couple weeks. Okay. Then we have the Elimination Chamber, the newly remodeled Elimination Chamber, which I got the chance to look back at. It's kind of growing on me now. It's not, it's not as bad as I, thought, as I remembered it being. Um, where we would see quite possibly the shock of the century, to be honest, where Bray Wyatt would defeat Styles, Miz, Ambrose, Corbin, and Cena to become the WWE Champion. And oh, was right in the world. It's one of those situations where we just, where my friend AJ was just freak out, like, yes, Bray Wyatt is champion, yes, yes, it's amazing. It's like, holy shit, he actually did it. We're, we're getting something good. It's kind of one of those situations where, uh, to pull a line from Adam Lampier, it's like, we're, we're getting the lemonade. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> but uh, as WWE would have it, you know, we're getting lemonade. But here's a nice turd to put in that lemonade. Just take take it. Take it. Because we get Randy Orton versus Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania. Could this have been a good matchup? Yes. Was it? God, no. Because it turned into a PowerPoint presentation. And unfortunately, it wasn't done by Drew Gulak. Oh, damn it! If only Drew Gulak was there. It, yeah, Drew Gulak would just put uh, put on like you know list of ways this match can end, and then it was maggots and. St- I, I've never seen anything power like superimposed onto the ring before and after the fact. I mean. I was watching that Mania live, well, on pay-per-view, but it was just, what? I mean, I understood it because it's Bray Wyatt and he's he's weird, but that also featured Randy Orton's friggin' friggin' sperm snake uh, graphic going down the ramp. What the? Is this Tales from the Crypt Keeper? It, did it, I turn on? Did, did did I like smokes? I, I, okay, for the record, kids, I don't do drugs. But did someone put something in the cookies that I ate that night? I mean, probably. Uh, and then we got the house of no, no, uh, all the no. Bray uh, White is a. I love Bray White to death. He's probably in my top ten. The guy's a transitional champion. I mean, he was just one, but I'm, I'm all for heel Roman Reigns. I'm here for that. <laughs> but this, to give, to finally get Bray a shot, finally get Bray his title that he's been yearning for, that we've been yearning for for years, only to be okay. It makes sense going back to the Orton joining the Wyatt family and that whole feud it makes sense for randy orton to be the man to beat him but so soon 
No, bro. And what, what do we get? We get Randy winning the title and then Randy setting fire to the Wyatt compound. We'll get there again. But the house of... I, I can't... Uh, I'm out of cider. Damn it. I rewatched that and it was just as bad as I remembered it. The only good gracious thing that happened there was that Jinder Mahal saved the day. I can't believe thank, I just said that. I can't believe uh, I said that. Thank God for Jinder Mahal. Who would go on to be WWE champion because we need to market this guy. Because we need to market this culture. Hey, WWE, had you made him a good guy, maybe that would have worked better. Just saying. So, you can mark him as a Canadian because he actually is one. Fair enough. That is fair. So... During this whole mess of and mayhem, Bray Wyatt got moved over to Raw. He got one uh, great victory over Seth Rollins, which features one of the best sells for a sister, Abigail. Oh my God, was that amazing? Uh, he would go on to feud with Finn Balor. They would do this really weird kind of stuff where Bray Wyatt, I think he tried to make, like, he made like blood or something come from the skies and drop on Finn. And this would bring out the Demon King at SummerSlam. Also, I want to see the Demon King again. I want to see him kick some ass in the proper way. Not like the Lashley way. Still too soon. Um, They would have a nice feud back and forth between them. Uh, We were going to get what looked like an early version of the Sister Abigail. Oh, no. But, to be honest, he had an illness concern. And we got Finn Balor versus AJ Styles, which, yes, more of that, please. But it wasn't until we reached a bit of an interesting point that we see a little bit of a reemergence, but also a kind of final chapter in this story of Bray Wyatt. When he feuds with Matt Hardy. Not quite broken, Matt Hardy. No, it's... Woken Matt Hardy, which, to be honest, the way they were building it up, I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good. They had a match on the Raw 25 deal where White was victorious. And it's like, okay, this is kind of not, this is going to be interesting, right? We had a match with them, well, they had, they were both in the Royal Rumble where they eliminated each other, so it's like, oh, okay, this is kind of interesting. Matt Hardy would beat Bray Wyatt at Elimination Chamber. Oh, this this is new. Then they announce Ultimate Deletion for Raw. Wait a minute. Give me a moment. Final Deletion, Tag Team Apocalypto, Deleter Decay. Uh, yes, please. I will take this. How was this? It was fun. It was ridiculous. I loved it. Michael Cole can shut the hell up now. Because him saying, oh, we're sorry about this. It's like, no, you don't apologize for the genius that has Matt Hardy. You shut up. You just shut the hell up. Because this was awesome. Seeing Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy just fighting it off on the Hardy compound. That creepy moment where we see Bray Wyatt getting freaked out because everybody's just like, I'll fade away and classify myself as obsolete. Whether it was Senior Benjamin, Brother Nero who's making his return of sorts, and then they just had him beat Bray Wyatt, that's fine. 
but Bray Wyatt would also be thrown into the lake of reincarnation and disappear until, well, WrestleMania 34, where he came back, helped Matt Hardy win the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, because why not? We finally need to do something with this with this thing. And then we would have new tag team champions in Matt Hardy and Bray White because they defeated the bar. Okay, they're, they're tag team. This ought to be interesting. Then they were going to feud with... Oh, my gosh. I I have just the biggest smile on my face. Just Wait, because, is it... Is it... <laughs> yes, it's the B team. Oh my gosh. Can we just say that it definitely seemed like Bray Wyatt was definitely enjoying himself more. And you could see that when they were watching the promo that Curtis Axel and Bo Dallas were doing as they were mocking Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt on screen. It's just one of those things where it's like, yes, my brother's finally getting his, he's getting something. Just... I loved, I, I loved this. I loved the feuding. The tag team deal came at a, at abrupt time, but at the same time, it's like, okay, might as well, let's, let's give these guys a shot. Let's see what happens. Um, yeah, they would lose the titles to the B team, but unfortunately, due to some uh, ill-timed injuries from Matt Hardy, the team would eventually disband. But ladies and gentlemen, that's just one chapter in the, in the royal book that is Bray Wyatt, because we go into the current chapter. Last year, we had these ominous vignettes appearing up. A pot's a buzzard out of a box. And it's like, okay, then we see a doll. We see other various deals just popping up. And it wasn't until we see the jingle, the picture. We see, we're really glad that you're our friend. And this is the this friendship, is the that'll, friendship never, that'll never, ever, ever end. And ladies and gentlemen, out comes Bray Wyatt. And all I thought to myself was, what the actual, what is this? Did they just ruin Bray Wyatt finally? But... He would just go on to prove that he has something dark to share. Bye! Bye, everyone! It's like, I don't know whether to hate this or love this now. As time went on, oh my god. Firefly Funhouse became one of the best things of Monday Night Raw. Just because Bray Wyatt was being silly. Bray Wyatt was being goofy. He was acting like he just, oh... Absolutely awesome. And we would actually get a very selective characters. In Mercy the Buzzard, Abby the Witch. Yeah, dude, it's Ramblin' Rabbit. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. These cast of characters that, in a way, they're call- some of them are callbacks to parts of his career. And when I first saw this thing, I'm like, oh my gosh, he finally snapped. Like, Bray Wyatt is just... He's, he's gone way off the deep end. And I saw that the second I saw him in that friggin' red sweater, that red turtleneck sweater, acting like he's Mr. Rogers. And you had Huskus the pig boy, of course, your 
uh, referencing Huskus Pig, and I like that Vince was like, "Oh, uh, uh, Pierce, uh, you gotta, you gotta go uh, get this contract signed by the Fiend. Oh, say hi to Huskus the Pig Boy. I love that little guy." And of course, Adam Pierce when he went to the Funhouse on SmackDown. Hi, everyone! It's Postman Pierce. <laughs> of course, Abby the Witch is Sister Abigail, and I've already described uh, Mercy the Buzzard as the Wayland Mercy thing. But I don't know what Ramblin' Rabbit is supposed to reference. I didn't really do enough research into that but with the with this we finally saw like this secret that he's been hiding and it is the fiend his alter ego that was was who like Bray was something that was shrouded in mystery like what is this and then we saw that Tom Savini mask and then we saw him come out on Raw in, I think it was Brooklyn. I, f- I think a lot of WrestleLotic Radio, including people who uh, are no longer with our network, I think like people like DFDC were at this show, and like, pr- like probably Ricky and, and Will and Kate, I think they're all there as well. But we finally saw The Fiend, and what we got out of that was attacking Finn Balor and... Holy shit, Chance. Like, what was that? It was one of the most surreal creatures that you would ever see. And not just attacking Finn Balor, but Kurt Angle, Jerry Lawler, Kane, and McFoley, while adopting Foley's maneuver the mandible claw, to which a lot of people were kind of confused by. But at the same time, some people enjoyed it. But it wasn't until we reached SummerSlam that we were in for something we were not expecting. Finn Balor's out in the ring. It's like, okay, this is going to be a great deal. First thing is here. We're really glad that you're our friend. This is the friendship that'll never, ever end. Lights are just slowly dimming out, while on the Titantron it says, Let. Me. In. It wasn't until we had to... Let me just... You knocked it out of the park. <sighs> Just, I will, I will say this. It was one of those moments where I, myself, and my friends were just all in shock seeing this. But also, one of my favorite reactions is Johnny Gargano. As he sees this, he is just literally just awe-dropped. Eyes are just wide open, jaws dropping. But he also slowly, as time goes on, just had a smile on his face. I'm just like, this is going to be awesome. God, can you imagine heel Johnny Gargano versus The Fiend? 
And he go back to being Rebel Heart, Johnny Gargano. Oh, and that's one thing we didn't mention. Like, oh, actually, we probably would have been getting into, but we're we're definitely going to get get into that. Um, Yeah. But this was a matchup where it was very one sided. Mister Finn tried his best, but in the end, could not overcome the fiend. He would be devoured by the mandible claw, pinned one, two, three in the middle of the ring. Then we go into what people have arguably said is one of the downfalls of The Fiend. Which also at the same time might be more a downfall of the match itself. We move to Hell in a Cell. Oh, jeez. We have a match between The Fiend and Universal Champion at the time, Seth Rollins. Issues with this. First of all, Red Lights. Why? Because it's evil. It's stupid. And it was distracting. It made no sense. Secondly, they stopped the match. Why? Because it makes the fiend look strong. Does it, though? We're trying to make it like a horror movie. Okay, I can kind of understand that. But you just ruined one of your matches. No, no, it's totally fine. No, it's not. But it's for the title. We couldn't put the belt on. You could have made it non-title. Oh, we could have. Yeah. You could have done that. And you could have just not had that happen. You could have been like, but we have to make sure that it looks like we care for a human being. It's a monster. Don't stop it because he's a monster. Just, no. But I mean, we'll put out the belt on him and make it no referee stoppage at Saudi Arabia. Oh, joy of joys. At the one place where we don't need that. Here you go, Fiend's champion. A, a month too late. B, the damage has been done. So, yeah, the Fiend beats Seth Rollins for the Universal title a month after he failed to capture it in Hell in the Cell. We get some nice little deals with uh, one and only Danielle Bryan, as well as the Miz, before succumbing to... Don't say it. Not even going to. You want to know what happens during that time? Mance will tell you. So let's actually talk about now. Let's now talk about this whole ordeal with the fiend. Where it seems like when you encounter the fiend, your whole life just changes. Don't believe me? Ask Finn. Ask Seth. Ask the Miz. I would say Daniel Bryan, but he. Reversed. He got, it, yeah, he got kind of more reversed than anything. You're right. It's it still worked. It you you were changed in a way. Like I'll say, for example, right after Finn lost at SummerSlam, he went down to NXT because they were going on Wednesday nights. They were going on USA. Quite frankly, they needed some star power, and Finn is the he is he is great. In NXT, I think he's had a damn good year down there. So, what is what happens to to Finn? Well, he comes out to. Well, we think he was going to back Team DIY against the Undisputed Era, but nope. Pele kick that spot was amazing, and then that amazing. I don't watch this business. This business watches me. Friggin' Bullet Club, 
And for the one thing that I've always noticed in Finn Balor's entrance, you know, when it's like, dun, 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 nah, 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 he stays like his arms stay post out. So he's basking in his own glory, for lack of a better term. Sorry, Keith. Uh, and Seth Rollins, this was the catalyst. Like after, after The Fiend, it was the catalyst of him becoming the Monday Night Messiah. Daniel Bryan brought back the yes movement, the positivity in an attempt to bring down the power of the fiend, which I thought was a great twist in parallel to the story. Miz, in my mind, has always been a bit of a heel. He is a horrible baby face. I don't know why he, he even was for a period of time. The, the Miz, I'm sorry, but... No, he, he, no, the Miz lost to Mr. Rogers Bray, but Mr. Rogers Bray was uh, getting a little bit Jekyll and Heidi there too, a little bit of, a little bit of twitch. Like when, uh, like in Majora's Mask, like if, if you, sorry, um, Nintendo nerds, I'm going to break off into Legend of Zelda here, but in Majora's Mask, when, you know, much, the, the titular Majora's Mask possesses the Skull Kid, it envelops him and, yeah, but then something else happens after the Rumble. We're not going to get there, and all these little twisting and changing storylines lead up to the one that comes back full circle, take a shot, but my can's empty with John Cena. It does. Now, we'll get into that after a bit of a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about how this one match may have just turned the tide for one Bray Wyatt. Stay tuned, guys. We will be right back. What's going on, y'all? It's your man, Zach, your host of the YLP Podcast. And may I remind you that you are listening to Wrestle Addict Radio, the cure for the common wrestling podcast. T-shirts and v-necks and sweatshirts and stickers, hoodies and tote bags and socks, blankets and pillows and onesies for babies, face masks, fanny packs, mugs, from YLP, Willie T, and King Ricky Rose, plus Kate Murphy, the HBIC, Mr. Fretz and Nate, and don't forget our delightful friend, the one and only Mance, cause we are war with the Teespring store, please give our merch a chance. What's up, everybody? This is Will Tarrish from the Kings of the Rings podcast, but I'm not here to talk about that. I'm here to talk about the Game Changer podcast. You are listening to the Game Changer podcast on Wrestle Addict Radio. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Game Changer podcast. I am Nate. He is friends. And I'm just going to say this right now, that it is amazing how <laughs> the roles between myself and, and uh, Will have kind of just changed because now he's the one that looks the more scruffy. I'm the one that looks a bit more clean. <laughs> Yeah, that is funny. Uh, COVID's a bitch, man. <laughs> Blame, blaming the Backstreet Boys reunions tour. <laughs> okay, okay, Aaron. Hey, I prefer Danny. <laughs> so, guys, definitely check out so many of the great stuff that we have going on. And I just want to do a little bit of a cheap plug, plug of my own, and that is for AJsBelts.com. These are the guys that I have been going to for so long. 
they have definitely delivered when it comes to belt quality as well as belt quantity. When it comes to custom-made belts, it's absolutely amazing. Definitely check them out, ajsbelts.com, where they also have a great layaway program, especially if you're a little tight on cash right now. They know how to take care of you, so that way you can get the most for your buck. So, with that being said, let's move on to this past year's WrestleMania. WrestleMania 35. We got the rematch. What? 36, bro. Is it 36? Yes, I'm I'm WrestleMania years old. I know this shit. Ah, That is fair. That is fair. So WrestleMania 36, I apologize. Um, Don't take that that out. Just keep it in because obviously it shows how well I am with numbers. So 36, six years after the first confrontation between Cena and Bray, in which shocker John Cena won, we got the rematch that a lot of people were hoping for. Actually, I don't even think that they were expecting it to be like this. A Firefly Funhouse match between The Fiend and Cena. What in the absolute hell did we see with this matchup? I literally watched this match. I was thinking, I must be on shrooms. And as soon as it was over, I'm like, no, I I don't want this trip to end. I, I want more. Give me more shrooms, please. WWE, please. Let's just bear in mind that WWE probably does not give out shrooms, but they did give out the juice, brother, brother, brother. We here at the Game Changer Podcast do not advocate the use of psychedelic drugs. <laughs> yeah, because because this match was trippy as shit. Like Titus O'Neil's reaction at the end was all of our reactions. Yeah, th- this was... So many callbacks. I mean, we saw... You, you know how I've said the before that The Fiend uses either the strengths or the weaknesses of his opponent against him. He used John Cena's entire career against him. I mean, you started off with abandon, abandon all hope, ye who enter here. Uh, that's from Dante's Inferno. I'm already hooked. I'm like, okay. That's the door to hell, literally, in, 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 Dante's, Inferno, in Dante's Inferno. Uh, opens it up. What does he see? Nothing. And then he sees his debut. It's like, all right. Uh, I can't do Kurt Angle. It's like, all right, who here wants to try and prove himself against the very best? What do you? What quality do you possess that makes you think you can even come up in this ring against the very best? Ruthless aggression, of course. Bray Wyatt playing playing the role of Kurt Angle. I'm pretty sure Kurt was. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, touched? No. What's the? I, I can't. Damn it! It's a proper word. I'll. I don't, I don't care. Um, <laughs> and you had punch. Whoop, Bray Ducks. You can look, but you can't touch. That was awesome. Uh, listen to my reaction of this match, by the way, because I did a live live watch of it on the Fretzelmania feed, F-R-E-T-Z-L-E Mania. <laughs> and for, that, that line was perfect. And then you went, okay, you took his debut from him. John Cena came out in the prototype shorts for the first time since 2002. Okay, there's a callback right there. You get 
this NWO thing, which after reading into it, well, of course, John Cena never joined WCW. He never joined the NWO. If you look very carefully, you can see John Cena in the background of Ready to Rumble, you know, the David Arquette movie. Oh, yeah. He's there in the gym training when Goldberg's training. So John Cena was in WC. Anyways, the NWO thing. This is such good shit, pal. The Vince puppet. I forgot about the Vince puppet. <laughs> but you're referencing the fact that he never turned heel. And there, there, there was another one in there, but I, for, I forget what it was. It was like the whole workout thing. Yeah, where, where he where he lost his, his muscles. Like he was working out too much and he couldn't lift arms up and Bray of course is just like what's wrong Cena can't you lift a muscle <laughs> and of course Cena is just it's almost like you know piece by piece everything is just being taken away from Cena until the very end where the Fiend comes in beats down John Cena and almost does like a freaking Dragon Ball Z cell situation where he just almost you could almost say he just makes him disappear I like to think he just absorbed John Cena. I think I'm thinking about the disappearing thing too. That now it, he basically erased John Cena from history because you saw that he kind of changed history with that whole uh, changing the debut thing, and it was. I, I, I cannot imagine what we got. What we, what we would have saw from this match had there been a crowd. I think they would have had a proper match, and I do think that The Fiend would have still won. But, you know, COVID gave it gave this world a whole bunch of bullshit. And sports, including wrestling, all had to make a change. I mean, I have, I have a hockey game on mute right now. You're at a hub city in Edmonton. For, unfortunately, there's no Thunderdome there for people to uh, do unspeakable things on, but it's the next best thing. And this, what we got with no crowd, I wish we got this match if there was a crowd and COVID wasn't a thing. Because I think we would have got something like this. And it, to, to me... It might be my match of the year. I mean, yeah, we have New Japan stuff that I've watched. Sorry, Zach. Like Naito versus Okada. Damn good match. But for the psychology, this this match might top my list. I mean, there's people that have loved that. They loved the Boneyard match. Uh, I personally enjoyed that Money in the Bank match that they did. I thought it was very well, very well done, all the references, the nostalgia factors, even Vince just being like, get out of my office, and then just putting on this stupid hand sanitizer. What the absolute hell. And hey, there was even a possible appearance by Frank the Clown. It's not yet confirmed yet whether or not that was him, but I still have a feeling that was him. Uh, This was just one of those matches where it would have been better with the whole, with, you know, with the crowd, but at the same time, I kind of liked the fact that it wasn't in front of a crowd. It was something that was unique. It was different. It definitely got people just talking about it. And that's something that you know you've done well. If you can get people to just talk about the matchup, good or bad, you've done right. It's just absolutely insane. So 
a lot of people kind of know what happens after this. The Fiend and Bray Wyatt, they kind of go on to try and feud with Braun Strowman. Eventually they would win the Universal title. And like we said before, we we see from this past Sunday where we had the payback because why not have two pay-per-views in the same in the same month? Because why not? Um, Roman Reigns beats The Fiend and Braun Strowman to win the Universal title. Heal Roman Reigns. Holy shit. And The Fiend, we don't know what's going to happen from here. In all honesty, this is one of those things that I think a lot of people have a bit of debate on. And at the same time, I look at this as a situation where it is probably true. Is that Bray Wyatt is one of those guys who at this point has won the world title so many times. And to be honest, with the Fiend character, it's beyond that. It's beyond the championship. It's one of those things where he could make so much with whoever he works with. He can create so many absolutely fantastic matches. He could make so many great moments, so many great memories with that character. Does he need the title? In honesty, no. He's one of those guys who I believe is far beyond the championship. Now, am I going to deny him a championship run here and there if they give it to him? No. I'll be happy for the guy. It's just right now, I don't think he needs it. Let's focus on rebuilding the Fiend up again and maybe build him to have a great matchup at WrestleMania, possibly against Roman Reigns. Maybe he could face off against Brock. Ooh. If they signed him back for one more for one more match, Fiend versus the Beast, WrestleMania. Yo. Whoa. That's Yeah, the that's a we, tough we didn't one, mention right? here. Yeah, that's a toughie. Yeah, the Fiend changed Braun Strowman too, and everyone that he's changed is hung up on the wall of the Firefly Funhouse as kind of like his. Uh, can you guess who of his of his victims list? And it's it's so cool. And yeah, I'm I'm with agreeance with you here that he doesn't need the title. In my mind, Bray Wyatt, the Fiend, whatever you want to call him. He's better in the chase. A baby face is better in the chase for the title because they, now when you have the championship, it's like, what now? It's, you know, kind of like what I think, you know, Kings of the Rings were referencing it. It's like, it's like Dean Ambrose, John Moxley syndrome. Like, love, love Moxley, but his title runs, mainly his world title runs, are boring. I don't know. It might be to no fault of his own or no fault of the company, but it's like now the babyface has it. What's what next? What now? It's only there for the heel to take it off of, which is the point of wrestling booking. And you know the the fiend was not pinned. I mean, he got low blowed, which is un, apparently uncharacteristic of Roman. He spears Strowman eighty seven times. In the imploded ring. I mean, they did that, but again, that was okay. And and here we go. Like, I, I can I can go on about how they could do the fiend, but th- this is where like the story for that will end for now. But I selfishly, I still want to see something between him and Taker. Although you can say because of that uh, series, that network series he just did. He can wrap his career up in a neat little bow, and that would be nice. 
But in another world, in a fantasy world where coronavirus doesn't exist, Survivor Series was supposed to be in Dallas, Texas this year. I mean, we're probably going to see it. I know they're only in the Thunderdome until October, but if there's a way for them to get minimum capacity fans like AEW is doing right now, you get something in Texas. Taker began his career there 30 years ago. What better way to full circle it up than to get a big win from... Just imagine the fun houses with Taker. Oh, my I'm going to stop because I'll probably talk for another 45 minutes, but... (laughs) This would be absolutely amazing. So, we'll definitely be talking more about The Fiend in future episodes because there's so much good shit that's happening with that. But, we have a little bit of time right here. Yeah, about 10 more minutes. So, let's transition over to this weekend. By the time this comes out, it'll be the day of talking about All Out... Was that what was that last year's show with Dusty Dave? It was awesome. Looking at the card, and to be honest, it's a pretty stacked card, and so many stipulation type matches here. It's going to be interesting to see how this goes down. So let's start this off, shall we, Mister Fritz? We have yeah. Britt Baker with Rebel. For, for the longest time, I thought they call her Reba. For the longest time. Oh, wait, no, she is Reba, according to Britt Baker. Taking on Big Swole in a tooth and nail matchup. Britt Baker, give the woman her win. That's all I care about. Britt Baker's the best dentist of all time, and not just because she's a wrestler. She's the greatest. Britt Baker. Yeah, uh, this is taking place in her dental office. I haven't watched AEW in a few weeks but I'm still paying a little bit of attention to what's going on. I won't be watching this show live, obviously. But, yeah, Baker. Uh, Next up we have a broken rules match where if Hardy loses, he must leave AEW. It is Damascus, Matt Hardy, taking on Sammy Guevara. Mr. Fretz. This sounds like it's going to be an absolutely insane matchup. Do we even see the return of V1 Matt Hardy? Uh, I think we could see the return of Matt Hardy in that friggin' plaid gear from nineteen from nineteen ninety eight when him and Jeff wrestled Kai and Ty. Oh, right. shot if you get that that reference. Yeah, <laughs> Matt, awesome. Matt Hardy's winning this this match. I mean, it's broken rules. And it's, he leaves AEW. To, to me, that always spells, nah, Matt's going to hang around all elite for a while, so. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. As much as I would love to see Sammy Guevara get a v- big victory here, it's, it's going to Matt. Next up, we have a tag team matchup in which the Young Bucks are taking on Jurassic Express's Luchasaurus, as well as Jungle Boy. I gotta be honest. I want to give this. I'm going to give this one to Jurassic Express. I think that they definitely do need to start building up more teams better. Young Bucks, they're going to get a tag team title run eventually, but I do think that they need to establish more incredible teams as well as give some momentum to Jungle Boy. That guy just is just put a rocket to him already. Take him to the moon. Let him be the one that ends Brody Lee's title run. Oh my God, that'd be amazing. 
Oh, man. I still think that's going to be Cardona. But, uh, yeah, I, I've been noticing from little bits and bops that I've, that I've been watching that there is a little bit of an implosion happening in the elite. And, you know, it's, it's going to go on with something that we're going to talk about later in the show. But, you know, just, just for, uh, just for whatever sake, I'm, I'm going to say the Bucks do win this, but we are going to see dissension in the elite. Uh, that's going to play into later. No, definitely do agree with that. Uh, speaking of Cardona Dona and Lee, we have the Dark Orders, Brody Lee, Cole Cabana, Evil Uno, and Stu Grayson taking on the team of Matt Cardona, Scorpio Sky, and the Natural Nightmares, Dustin Rhodes, and QT Marshall. This is going to be an interesting matchup. Mr. Fretz, who have you got for this one? Hmm. I'm just going to say Dark Order, just because. And why the hell isn't Brody Lee defending the TNT title at this show? Come on. You know, because we got, it's going to be, there's going to be some, I think that Brody Lee is doing his job then, if that's the case, if he's getting you that, giving you that kind of reaction to where you're just like, why is he defending it? Cody was being an awesome guy. It's like, yeah, he was. And Brody Lee is going to be the one that's going to be like, no, I'll defend it whenever I want to. It's like, that's how Brody Lee does it. I do agree. I think Dark Horror is going to pick up the victory here. Love Matt Cardona. The guy gave us a shout-out a little earlier this year. But Brody Lee is going to just kick some ass. And Dark Order definitely does need the momentum building in. Up next, we have the 21-man Casino Battle Royal, where the winner will receive a future AEW World Championship matchup. I always love these Battle Royals. They're always great. You never know who's going to come into, who's going to, come into this matchup. But... As far as who we got for this, we have Darby Allen, Lance Archer, Brian Cage, Ricky Starks, Pentagon Jr., Ray Phoenix, The Butcher, The Blade, Getty Kingston, Sean Spears, Billy, Austin Gunn, Jake Hager, Santana, Ortiz, Chuck Taylor, Trent, and there may be a mystery person in this. So the only question is, is that mystery person going to show up in this? Or is that even going to matter at this point? So... It is a situation where it's like, who could be somebody who pops up out of nowhere? And who could be somebody that can be a credible threat to win this matchup? Um, I swear to God, if somehow Tony Khan gets Brock Lesnar just for one matchup, that's going to be be insane. Um, I know. It's just one of those things where it's like, that'd be insane if that were to happen. I could see them pulling off something with impact where maybe... Maybe Eddie Edwards shows up? No. Maybe that's unlikely. EC3. No, he just won the uh, Right. EC3 goes from from Impact to AEW. Oh, my gosh. I'd be okay with to that. Ring, to Ring of Honor because he's also going to be wrestling for them. Oh, my gosh. EC3, I love you right now. This is this is what I wanted. The dude brings in a barbershop quartet. He's the man. The guy can do no wrong for me. Um you know what? I'll go crazy. I'll say EC3 appears just for kicks and giggles. Uh, as far as who wins this... Oh, gosh. That's going to be a tough one. Um, you know what? I'm going to pick Darby Allen for this one. I think that somehow he's going to pick up the victory. The guy has been definitely thrown under the bus one too many times. Give him a big win on a pay-per-view. So, Darby Allen. 
My mystery man is going to be Eli Drake. Oh. I don't know why. I, I, I just thought of him. I'm just like, okay, Thunder Rosa from NWA is going to be here. Like, if they're going to cross-promote, like, who's an NWA? I'm like, James Storm. No, James Storm might. Oh, that's James. No, Eli Drake's my guy, and my pick, my pick also depends on who's going to win the main event. And I am actually going to agree with you and say that Darby Allen's going to win, so that is definitely going to play a factor into who wins the world title match. No, I, I think we're both in the same mindset when it comes to that. Uh, speaking of Thunder Rosa, she is going to be challenging for the AW Women's World Championship against Hikaru Shida. Mr. Fritz, who have you got for this matchup? I got Shida. I mean, no offense to Thunder Rosa. She's from the NWA. She's from a different promo promotion. I think they're going to be starting up again soon, if I'm not mistaken. I hope to God, because power is amazing. Uh, Thunder Rosa is going to have a great showing here. They're going to put her over. They're going to put some eyeballs on the product. But uh, Sheeta's going to walk away with this one and retain the title. Sheeta, Sheeta, Sheeta. She is amazing. If she would have been the first AEW World's Women's Champion, I would have been much happier with that. I'm sorry. Riho did not do that much of anything as the first. I'm just saying. Uh, I totally forgot about her. I, 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 you, you know what? I only remember um, Nyla Rose's reign at, before <laughs> that, well to be better. honest. Honestly, Nyla Rose would have been totally a better better pick for that for that spot, too. But, oh well. We can't change the past. We can only look to the future and just see what happens. Uh, next up, we have the tag team title matchup in which we have Kenny Omega and Hangman Page taking on FTR with Tully Blanchard in their corner. Ooh, this is going to be a good one, but I'm hoping to God this happens. FTR for the win. Finally end the reign of Kenny Omega and Adam Page. Page goes on to be a single star. Maybe he goes on to compete for the TNT title and win that. And oh, dear Lord Almighty, just make Kenny Omega a single star again. I like his matches when he's one-on-one. Him as a tag team competitor is just weird. So, FTR for the win. Say yeah. We go hard all day, all night. All my proud Southern people ready to fight. Say yeah. Yeah. Uh, FTR is winning here. This is going to give us even more cracks in, um, uh, in the elite I know there's been some stuff on Being the Elite, which I do not watch. I do not have the time for that crap. But, uh, and we've seen The Cleaner. We've seen him being referenced, Kenny Omega, as The Cleaner. So I think Omega is going to be the one that snaps here. Although, you know, uh, Cowboy there has been kind of unofficially ousted from the Elite because he is a drunk. And, excuse me while I just take a sip of my beer here. <laughs> It's only my second of the night, folks. Relax. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> uh, speaking of alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. That's right. That's the next matchup. It is the Mimosa Mayhem matchup where the w- winning deal can happen by pinfall, submission, or being thrown 
into a tank of mimosa. Chris Jericho versus Orange Cassidy. I'm calling it. It's going to be the match of the year, baby. This is going to be match of the year, match of the decade, match of the century. This is going to be a mess, but a beautiful mess. Oh, my gosh. Mr. Fretz, who have you got for this one? Okay. Hear me out. I have Chris Jericho winning this. Okay. However... I mean, for, first off, I got to give a shout out to Kings of the Rings because I heard their pitch for the match was basically like surrounding the ring was all mimosa. <laughs> that would be amazing. Instead of the ring floor, it's mimosa, which I'm in favor of that. that that's that's a that, that's a good shout. But Jer- here's the thing: Jericho is going to win this match by pinfall. He's going to hit the Judas effect and pin Orange Cassidy. Then there's going to be some kind of shenanigans leading up to or out of the ring, the ramp. I don't know where this thing's going to... If it's going to be in the same spot where Paul Bearer's concrete crypt was at uh, Great American Bash, oh, uh, shout out to the Ruthless Aggression podcast, uh, I can see them coming back up the ramp, having a fight, having a shenanigans, even a Chris Jericho holding the tights to, to beat Cassidy, and then Cassidy snaps and... Chris Jericho is going to somehow end up in the mimosa. That that that's what is going to happen in this match. But I think he's going to win. But Cassidy gets his heat back. I disagree. I think Freshly Squeeze is going to win, as because of the fact that Chris Jericho is going to be cocky and arrogant. He'll hit the juice effect. He's going to be thinking, "I got him," but then he'll look at the mimosa and be like, "Time for you to pay up, bitch." He goes to throw him. Orange Cassidy tosses him into the mimosa. Orange Cassidy gets the biggest win on of his career on pay-per-view. For millions of people to see, we're building him up again. Make Cassidy great again. He was already great. Make him greater! <laughs> so, we move on to the main event for the AEW World Championship. And the paradigm shift has been banned for this matchup as we see... John Moxley defending against MJF. Now, I do want to say this, that the contract signing between MJF and John Moxley, I really loved that. I thought it was something that definitely got me hooked on because John Moxley said, you just took away one move. You do realize that I have more moves in my arsenal where I could literally break your, break your arms, break your legs. Basically, he's just saying, I could tear you apart limb by limb and make this even more painful. And that's where J- MJF is just like, uh, oh, I may have royally fucked up. <laughs> and just him getting a wrestling match with the lawyer. Are you kidding me? <laughs> That's amazing. Oh my gosh. I, I will say this, that there are some parts where I think Moxley's just kind of meh, but then there's other parts where it's like, okay, Moxley's a, Moxley's a genius. Just, yes. Uh, but as far as how this matchup is going to go... I am going to kick myself in the face for saying this, but MJF is winning the title. He's going to be walking out on Wednesday with his scarf, with his championship, just the knockoff EC3 campaign is going to win it. My favorite wrestler, 
currently. I have two minds about this, though. I my uh, my heart is going with MJF because I adore him so much. However, the paradigm shift is banned, but we haven't said anything about the Death Rider. Basically, the elevated brainbuster version of this of the move that he uses in New Japan. Mm-hmm. I can see if that's the case. I can see Moxley winning that way, or. I want to know what happens if he nails the paradigm shift There's and there's a ref bump. No one's there. Another ref comes out. Does he award the belt to MJF? Because if that's the case, that's exactly how I can see MJF as a chicken shit heel winning the title. But, you know, I've already picked him. Because I picked Darby Allen to win the Casino, the casino Royale battle, that is why. That is just something I, I can picture with MJF because I think not right away, but maybe at uh, what's the, the pay per view in? Okay, what is it? September. You know what? Screw it. At all out next year, I can see MJF having a long title reign, and then who ends it? Darby Allen. It's- when is because when is this cash in good until if this is like the money in the bank briefcase, Darby Allen can bide his time. That's true. So just have to kind of wait and see what what the hell happens with that. So all out going to be happening this weekend, you guys at Deadly's place in Jacksonville, Florida. For those of you that are able to get into it, awesome. For those that are not, hey, it's still on pay per view, which is still good enough for me. Uh, but like Mr. Fretz, I unfortunately will be missing that because I will be working my butt off because, you know, I like working. That's kind of a lie. Um, but you can definitely check us out on all of our podcasting formats, include, including on Spreaker as well as Google Podcasts, on Ambiguous Productions because those guys are absolutely phenomenal on Anchor. So many, any t- place you can find a great podcast, you can find us there. Now, where you can you find us to interact with us is on the Twitter at the Legendary JF as well as at Real F and Game. You can also check out our Instagrams. I don't know how often we really go on there, but for me, it's just one of those things where it's like if I got a picture, I'll post it up. So if you're expecting me to do like 20 different pictures in one week, yeah, good good luck with that. Just no. No. Definitely check out every single one of our amazing friends over on WrestleLike Radio at Attic underscore Wrestle, where you can check out us at the Game Changer Podcast, as well as the Young Lions Perspective, the Delight Show, as well as the Kings of the Rings Podcast. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. Shoutouts to so many great people, including... The Rant Foundation, love you guys. Absolutely love check out their Patreon as well as our Patreon because our Patreon shows are absolutely amazing. And first episode of the Ultimate Wrestling Trivia Challenge has been posted. And it is awesome. Thank you, Jermaine, for being a part of it. And his gifts are on the way. Mr. Fretz, do you have anything to add? I do, and it pertains to the Russell Attic Radio Patreon. Uh of course, you all know that I do Fretz's Fave 5 and the 20 Bell Salute. This month, this was your idea, I am doing NXT month on Fretz's Fave 5. I have already recorded and have my Fave 5 
takeovers in the can. And I have a few more to go throughout the month. And and uh, later this month, I don't know exactly when yet, but I've started watching Unforgiven 2000 from uh, WWE side of things for the 20 Bell Salute. There are some great movies out that month and some great video games that I missed. Because you heard me go into great detail about Paper Mario. Uh, I missed a few good games from August, so I will cover them when I get to them. And yeah, yeah, have a listen out for that. And on the Fretzelmania side of things, on my personal podcasting on anchor.fm slash Mania, I've been going through my old blog and rebooking 1995 in the WWE. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very arduous task. I looked into it and I'm like, wow, I was tired of it by the end. So you'll hear my exacerbation when I even podcast about it in... <laughs> It's going to be in at least four or five parts. It's not going to take very long. Okay. So definitely be on the lookout for that. Be on the lookout for um, amazing merch, which is on teesprings.com forward slash Game Changer Podcast 1. So definitely check that out, you guys, because we got our own store now. And I'm still working on possibly getting a little bit of new merchandise before the end of the year. I originally said that it was going to be for August, but just complications and such got in the way, so... Not really much we can do about that, but before the year's over, definitely you can expect a new piece of merch from the Game Changer Podcast side. I'm very proud to have on sharing me on this deal is the one and only Mr. Fretz, where we are just rocking and rolling and representing the absolute amazing show here on WrestleAttic Radio. And also, we would like to take the time to offer our condolences to the one and only family of... Chadwick Bozeman, who unfortunately passed away due to cancer. For those of you that don't know who he was, all you have to do is say two words, and that is... Wakanda forever. Exactly. So, rest in peace, Bozeman. Thank you so much for creating an absolutely amazing character. And I'm going to say this right now, he does not need to be recast. This is a guy who just fit the part. He was perfect. Let's not do anything to disrespect that. So, for everybody here at WrestleLotic Radio, we offer our condolences to the family and also show our support for the one and only Black Panther. For Mr. Fretz, I've been Nate the and Great. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode. Next week, we're bringing in international flavor because why not? We have a Canadian and American. Let's do something crazy. See you guys. Bye. This has been a Russell Attic Radio branded podcast. I'm enrolling in Medicare soon, and it had me a little confused. Then I found MyHealthPolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, I could go online and compare Medicare Advantage plans from some top-rated national insurers, including $0 monthly premium plans. I could learn about plans in my area and talk with a licensed insurance agent if needed. MyHealthPolicy.com has made doing my research a whole lot easier. My choice. My Medicare. MyHealthPolicy.com I'm enrolling in Medicare soon, and it had me a little confused. Then I found MyHealthPolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, I could go online and compare Medicare Advantage plans from some top-rated national insurers, including $0 monthly premium plans. I can learn about plans in my area and talk with a licensed insurance agent if needed. MyHealthPolicy.com has made doing my research a whole lot easier.
My choice. My Medicare. MyHealthPolicy.com.